This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air. I'm Kate Bendel, the Dunedin Yoga Lady. Join me every second Tuesday at 10.30 as we explore all things to know about yoga. My passion is to open the doors of this powerful practice to the community and to share that passion with you. The Dunedin Yoga Lady, fortnightly on Tuesdays at 10.30 on ORFM and podcast from oar.org.nz. Good morning and welcome for joining me for the, the Dunedin Yoga Lady Show. I'm Kate, I'm your host, and I'm talking to you today about sound in yoga, which I do talk about sound in yoga quite a lot, I must admit, um, because it's probably my favorite part of the practice. So what I'm going to talk to you about today is how that came to be the case, because I did, uh, a listener asked me to explain really is my, my journey with yoga and what's brought me to this place of being a chanting teacher and a chanting student. So if you haven't listened before, I'll just tell you super briefly that I'm, um, Kate Bendel and I teach yoga here in Dunedin up at New Yoga, that's N-U-Y-O-G-A, that's there above Taste Nature, and that I've been practicing yoga for just, wow, I think it's 35 years now, Uh, and initially went into yoga as a fairly young person with the hope of help getting some relief or support for my addiction issues at the time. So obviously the practice I do now is not the same as what I did as an 18-year-old. And one of the ways it has changed is the, the introduction of sound. So for probably about... 20 years more or less I did do what you would consider a fairly standard yoga practice and it may be if you're someone who's listening to this and you practice yoga currently what I'm talking about is the physical postures the we call them asana in the yoga world and so I did that and again if you know a little bit about yoga you know there's many kind of different streams and styles of yoga within that category of mainly doing asana and for a long time that seemed to be what I needed it was giving me what I needed which was a lot of support to deal with these ongoing addiction issues and it just helped me feel comfortable in my own skin it certainly helped me deal with stress and it was a really good way for me to kind of remain emotionally balanced as well so that was sort of through my 20s and 30s a lot of a lot of asana in in a daily context really and also going to various teachers and classes as a lot of you possibly do currently in those days it wasn't there were not youtube channels but there were certainly books from the library So some of it was self-taught and some of it was teachers. But even through that, I sort of had a separate side thing going on, which was meditation. It wasn't even within the context of yoga, 
which from what I know now, that's a fairly interesting, really, because actually yoga is more about meditation than the asana. But I didn't know that. And a lot of the teachers I came across didn't know that. So I was doing sort of fringe, uh, uh, like in a different lane, almost, I had a meditation practice going on. And also that changed. Sometimes it was through the sort of more Vipassana, the Buddhist kind of branches. Um, and then there was another part of my journey where it became, actually it did come into the yoga lane. It was from, some of you may have heard of Autobiography of a Yogi. It's a fairly well-known yogi book, um, Yogananda. And there's a lineage of his called Kriya Yoga, which is just meditation. If I, I hope I'm right in saying that. Well, that's all I learned from it. Um, and all of the, there was no sound involved in any of this. This was all just done silently. And then the moment that sound kind of impacted on me and came into my yoga, I didn't really recognize the impact of it at the time. It's only in hindsight. I can look back now and go, ah, that was the magic moment. And it was part of my training when I did my first training through the New Zealand Yoga Association, I think it's called. And part of that is we would, you know, have get-togethers every now and then from all around the country. And in this one event, there was a big group of us, probably 40 of us, and we did this thing where we were all standing, holding hands, very yoga isn't it? <laughs> Most of us probably did have tie-dyed pants on. And we were holding hands and we made like a chain and we were moving around. And as we were moving around this hall, the, we began to chant something I'd never done, never even heard of it before. And I'm pretty sure we were chanting Omnimo. Oh, no, I can't remember what it was now. But we were doing a very simple kind of Vedic chant. And I found the experience absolutely profound it was one of the kind of happy moments of my life really it's I felt so connected and so mentally and emotionally free but also connected to these people at the same time and that finished and I didn't really think anything more of it and I didn't even know at that point that sound could be part of yoga so I just returned to my ordinary practices and then a lot later on, probably another 10 years passed, and I was finding myself questioning whether I was actually getting what I needed now from my physical yoga practice. I was doing more pranayama as well, which is breath practice. But the deeper transformation, the spiritual search that I was on, I was feeling was not progressing in the way that I hoped it might. And then I had two experiences sort of within a year that both involved sound and really changed the direction of my practice. And both of them were here in Otipoti. Thank you. Bless you. Um, and one of them was actually passing through the octagon. And it was one of those days that the Hare Krishna community were there and they were doing their Hare Nam, which is their, their chanting. And I'm pretty sure they had a harmonium there. And it just something deep inside me just was very drawn to it at the same time thinking well this is a bit weird um 
but also very attracted to it. So that happened, and I listened and and went along a few times. And at the same time in that year, I went to a seminar on the Yoga Sutras by Ruth Dickens. She was brought down by a yoga teacher, and she chanted some of the Yoga Sutras at the end of one of the classes she took. And that that was it for me, something absolutely changed. And there was this recognition for me that that's what I wanted, that's what I needed, that's where my next step or the truth or, yeah, it was very clear to me that I needed to find and follow this. And that was about 10 years ago. And so I have, since that moment, begun the journey of understanding the traditional place of sound in yoga. So initially I did it as a student. So I became a student of Ruth Diggins and she's part of the Vini Yoga tradition of Krishnamacharya where sound is a huge part of it. So it was like I was very lucky. I found one of the few portals into traditional yoga sound in New Zealand, actually, because it's still not mainstream, even within the yoga community. And so what that meant was studying with her to be a teacher meant an undoing of a lot of the things I already thought I knew about yoga and starting again with the inclusion of sound. And so when I talk about sound in that context, it's called mantra. So it's not just ordinary sound. It's Sanskrit, which itself is a very sacred, significant language, which I am eloquent to even rave about because honestly, it's the complexities of Sanskrit and the, and the history and the depth of it. I can't even begin to explain it. So I'm not going to. That would kind of be embarrassing and I wouldn't be te teach, speaking with any authority whatsoever. So we use mantra in Vini Yoga. And so how that first started as her student for my physical yoga practice, it wasn't done in silence anymore. She wrote a practice for me. And in that practice was a mantra. And so as I physically practiced, I was also chanting the mantra, not just saying it, you're actually sort of chanting, which is verging on singing. And that's how we do it in Vini Yoga. So I had the mantra in my practice. On, on So that's an everyday occurrence. And then as part of the teacher training, we began to learn these longer chants, which is fairly, again, fairly new and quite revolutionary in the yoga world. When I say fairly new, I'm talking in the long history of yoga, which is thousands of years old. So in, in recent yoga history, I think it possibly was 80 or 70 years ago, Krishnamacharya, which he is a very significant figure in the yoga world, he opened the doors of Vedic chanting to female students. Up until then, within India, and I don't even think it was being taught outside India at that point, actually, females were not allowed to learn it. And so he changed that. And since that time, Vedic chanting has been made available to female students. 
And I'm very grateful for that as well. So as teachers in Vini Yoga, we learnt quite a, quite a few chants. And the more chanting I did, the more I fell deeply in love with it. And the reason for that is the, the feeling that it brings me, the clarity of mind that it brings. And the more I do it, it's a more an understanding of that this is working on a subtle, subtle level, but it's a very profound level in a way that doing asana just isn't. And the way I like to think of it or try and explain it, it's almost like it changes, it's like changing the channel absolutely every time. So when I sit down to chant, whatever I might be thinking or feeling by simply chanting attentively, I will absolutely bring myself into a place of clarity and calm every single time. And that to me is a very powerful tool. And it's like, so it has this ability as an almost um, response to an immediate situation, you can use it. But I think more than that, it's the long-term accrued benefits of doing it. It's like by knowing and having a practice that every day can bring you into this connection with the deeper part of yourself. By doing that every single day, that place becomes more familiar and secure and easy to access. And so that, I think, is one of the reasons that I keep coming back to chanting and to the point now that I'm now training, or nearly finished actually, nearly finished training as a chanting teacher. So that's really exciting, and it's it's quite quite a, a change from. It's not where I would have seen myself ending up. I still teach asana, and all my classes at New Yoga are asana based. And in the future, I'm just going to be teaching chanting classes separately. So one of the reasons I think that this change in practice has happened for me, it's, it's no surprise and it's not unique to me because yoga itself, in the Yoga Sutras, which is the text I've referred to many times in this yoga show, it is the, it's kind of the foundational text of yoga. One of the sutras in there, Yoga 247, Prayatna Shaitilya Ananta Samati Patipyam talks about what that is saying is the practice must be appropriate and we use intelligent effort. So what that says, and this isn't me making it up, you know, this isn't what I think is a good idea. This is what the Yoga Sutras are saying is that your practice must be appropriate. And what's appropriate changes, what's appropriate for an 18-year-old is not appropriate for, I'm now 56, and my practice needs to be different, and it needs to have changed, and it has, and it has changed to a more subtle practice. So now, yes, I will still do some asana, but it's a, it's a fraction of my practice. So someone asked me 
so how much chanting do you do? You know, this is a friend who does physical practice. She has a physical practice, but it's it's feeling like it's not quite working. It's like she's at that stage of, well, what's next for me in my yoga practice? What could I do? Where's, where's, there's a change that needs to come, but what is it and what does it look like? So she asked me, what what's my practice look like now? So I thought I'll just tell you briefly, and bearing in mind, I'm a yoga teacher. So I'm doing more in terms of yoga practice than perhaps most people would. And I'm totally 100% in love with yoga. So um, it's not hard for me to practice. I love practice. So I wrote down this morning what my daily practice is, and I realize all of it now has sound involved. So how I start my practice, the very first thing is I do what's called japa or japa, and that is mantra. So you're saying mantra, either out loud or silently, but usually I say it out loud, on a round of beads. You may have seen those mala beads. Some people wear them as a fashion accessory, um, but they actually have a function. It's like to you, each time you put a finger on the bead, you say a mantra, then you move to the next bead. Or they're a bit like a rosary. I don't know if that, what's they called. Yes, a rosary, I think. So that's the very first part of my practice. And that would not exist. You can't do that without the mantra. It's all about the mantra. So that, that is the start of my day. And then I move my practice into pranayama, which is breath practice. And a breath practice for me at the moment is the, I've got a slightly complicated one. You know, it's things like breathing in through your left nostril, holding for double the amount that you breathe out your right, and then having a pause. It's kind of a, a fancy-ish pranayama. That has mantra in it as well. I'm not just doing the breathing bit. As I'm doing the breathing, I have a mantra that I'm repeating, this time silently. And depending on am I inhaling or exhaling for a short amount or a long amount will depend how many times I repeat the mantra. So that's the second part of my practice. And then I take a, I get up um, and... I take the dogs for a walk just because I need to give my body a little bit of movement then and the dogs need a walk. So even as I'm walking my dogs, I'm saying a mantra. Sometimes I'll take my mala beads um, and be that funny lady walking around Port Chalmers with her mala beads. But generally, there's not so many people around then, so I don't mind so much. So I'm repeating mantra because... It's a recognition that if I'm not choosing mantra to say in my mind, there'll be something else happening in my mind, for sure. That's what my mind does. It just chitter-chatters all the time. So I at least try to get some chunks of the day where I'm choosing what my mind is saying, and it's saying a mantra. And then when I come home, I sit down and I actually do a chanting practice. So that's Sometimes, depending on what time will allow, that's in the vicinity of 30 minutes to an hour. And that's chanting various chants. Some of them are they're all sacred, like they're Vedic chants, so they come from the Vedas. It's a mixture. Some of them are to particular elements of nature. You know, there's a chant to the sun, like to honour the sun. Um, there's a chant to um, in 
in the lineage I'm with is this word Narayana, which is one of the words used for that universal energy, which there's many other words from other traditions, but that's the one that we use in that particular chant. There's chants to um, other deities. And so that's another bit of chanting. And and then often I will do a small amount of asana as well. But again, there is chanting in the asana. So it's almost like by all, by this happens pretty much every day. And what the result of it is, is it's almost this feeling of that I'm a container. And what's actually resonating in me as a container is the mantra. And it's not just the the word itself, like there's this understanding within yoga and Sanskrit that the vibration actually is the thing. So if I'm, and, and the mantras that I'm saying in all these different practices, it's the same one. I'm not mixing them all up because I think that would be like, I mean, I guess you could, but you generally wouldn't because it's like we're wanting a long-lasting, sustained effect from the practice. So if I continue to chant about the sun, even if it's in my asana practice or if it's in my pranayama practice or if it's in my japa practice, it's I'm getting more and more of that vibration circulating within my system. And often that will sustain me quite a long way through the day. I'll notice that there's other times during the day that the mantra will just kind of bubble up and it's there. That's not always the case. You know, life comes. My mind goes completely other places at other times. It gets agitated. You know, I'm just an ordinary person having an ordinary life. But I also do come back to the mantra and the chanting sometimes in the afternoon and or the evening. And that in itself sort of carries me into the night as well. If if I manage, my intention is always to do at least one round on my beads before I go to sleep so that I'm taking that mantra into my sleep. Sometimes that happens. I would love to be the, the person who could say, yes, I do that every night, but I don't. Sometimes I get tired and possibly worse than that, sometimes what happens is my senses, because mantra is all about your senses and sound. Sometimes if I do something like watch something on Netflix, I lose all interest in doing a more subtle practice. So, yeah, there, there's various ways that evening can go. So what I want to do just to, to leave you with on the end of today's show is a short chant that one of the chants that we I sometimes do. This is a chant to Shiva. Um, yeah. Om Namah Shivaya Cha. Shivaya, Shivaya Cha, Om Namah Shivaya, Shivaya Namo 
Namashivaya Shivaya Chacha Shivaya Shivaya Cha Om Namashivaya Shivaya Namo Namashivaya Chacha Shivaya Namo Namashivaya Cha Shivaya Chacha Shivaya Shivaya Cha So that is the Shiva mantra. And what we can't do on a radio show so much is understand that a serious part of mantra or sound is the silence that comes after it. It's as much a part of it as the chant itself. But it's not much fun having total silence on the radio. So we won't sort of do that here on the radio. So, look, thank you for listening. You've been listening to Kate Bendel, the Dunedin Yoga Lady. That's also the name of my website, thedunedinyogalady.com. If you wanted to jump on there and if you want to, you can email me if you're interested in chanting lessons. It is one of the things that happens very, very successfully over Zoom. It's actually an incredible format for chanting lessons. So thank you for spending this time with me and see you soon. I'm Kate Bendel, the Dunedin Yoga Lady. Join me every second Tuesday at 10.30 as we explore all things to know about yoga. My passion is to open the doors of this powerful practice to the community and to share that passion with you. The Dunedin Yoga Lady, fortnightly on Tuesdays at 10.30 on ORFM and podcast from oar.org.nz. This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air.